You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Amen. Good morning. morning. You know, it's always a good thing that you have a great wife because she told me to bring my glasses because... uh, I can hardly see this now. I didn't think the pulpit was this high. (laughs) So I want to start. I want to thank Pastor. Um, The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And we have an amazing pastor. There's not many many pastors that would give up a pulpit, that would give up a pulpit and trust lay people to share his word. And it's... it's, um, and I've, ta- I've shared you with this before, is that it says in the scriptures that you have many teachers in the Lord, but you have very few fathers. And the difference between a teacher, a teacher's going to tell you what to do, a father's going to show you what to do, you know, and you have definitely have shown us what to do. So, I've enjoyed this summer series with the different speakers that we've had. I have some very big shoes to fill, and um, I'm excited. So I've enjoyed it. I've been blessed. This week has been very difficult for me. I have gone back and forth, uh, what to share, um, and I've felt overwhelmed at times. The message that you're hearing today is not the message that I worked on the whole week. I called pastor at 5 o'clock on Friday, and I said, uh, I can't share this message. This is not what God wants. (laughs) So the panic, the what am I going to do, kind of set in. But God is faithful. He is faithful. We face many challenges in the world today. We're bombarded by outside voices, social media, television, radio. The influx of evil that is witnessed on the TV and social media that glorifies murder and rape, greed, lust, pornography, hatred, mocking the name of Jesus is commonplace in today's world. Christians are mocked as being weak and gullible, ignorant and intolerant. Many church leaders say one thing and then do another, and then we read about their indiscretions in the news. There may be times that we feel far from God, and heaven may seem silent. The bombardment of voices act as distractions and influence what we believe and ultimately rob us of the passion, peace, and joy that we once had. We start questioning our faith and the question of, does God really care? Today's message is entitled, Sonship with the Father. It's taken from Romans 8, verses 14 and 15. For as many that are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For, <clears throat> for you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear again, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word. I ask that your anointing would be on your word, that you would anoint me to to preach your word, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would touch us so that we would truly understand that you are Abba, our Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. In a world of unrest and trouble, we can find peace and rest through Jesus Christ. The message of the cross is one of hope. We have hope not in earthen vessels, but our hope is from above. God has given us assurance that we are his, and by faith we take hold of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Number one, we recognize the sonship of the Spirit that leads us in our lives. In Romans 8.16 it says, His Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have the assurance. His Spirit leads us and instructs us in the ways of salvation. His Spirit convicts us of sin and the need of righteousness and the judgments to come. He makes us aware of our fallen state and the need for redemption and or repentance. The Spirit of God brings us into a right relationship with the Father that we, that we understand that we are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. God leads and directs our lives if we trust in Him. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, and always acknowledge Him, and He, He will direct your lives. Many times in our Christian life, we have felt the leading of God's Spirit to possibly do something or not to do something. And at the time, we didn't understand why. But over time, it proved to be the correct decision. There may be times that we need to follow our heart when we don't have a scripture to tell us what to do. Should I take this job? Should I move to a certain place? Buy a house? We don't always have a, uh, a scripture to tell us what to do. So we have to be prayerful and ask godly counsel. But ultimately, the decision is we need to be led of the Spirit. 25 years ago, an opportunity to make a job change came about for Nicole and I. We prayerfully considered all aspects of what a move would entail. A new state, new area, new friends, new church. While we felt that, while we felt this was a good opportunity, we had a few concerns. Our number one concern was finding a church. Our second concern was finding a home that would be a safe place for raising our three boys. You see, we had an incident occur at our old house where our oldest son was almost abducted as he rode his bike on the sidewalk in the front of our house. So having a safe area for us was one of our concerns and one of our priorities. We went and we visited a few churches and we felt God's direction and leading on a certain church. Next came the house. 
We looked and looked and looked and looked to no avail. And just when we thought that maybe we had missed God's leading, a new listing came on of a farmhouse. Our realtor knew exactly what we wanted, an older home that had some land, and this had it all. As we went and we visited the house, we both felt led that this was where God wanted us. But there was one small problem. Their asking price was $40,000 more than what we were approved for. <laughs> well, God makes a way. Nicole wrote a beautiful letter and, uh, about how she, we wanted to raise our children in a place like this. And the owner who we met at the showing were Christians also. And they accepted our offer. They that are led of the Spirit of God are called sons of God. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Number two, we recognize his sonship by his grace that sets us free from the bondage of sin. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. We don't fear because the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Death came through one man's disobedience, but life and peace through one man's obedience, Jesus Christ. Sin can no longer hold us in bondage because of the cross, because Jesus in us is the hope of the glory. We have been crucified with Christ, meaning the old man, the Adam man, our sinful man, has been crucified. But we've been raised to new life. We are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Our spirits has been born again. By grace you have been saved. It is a free gift of God. Grace is unmerited favor of God. That's how he shows his love for us and to us. We are no longer slaves, but we're free men. <clears throat> Who Christ has set free is free indeed. Billy Graham told a story about when he was traveling alone. He was driving through the south. He was in a big hurry. He got pulled over for speeding. The officer issued him a citation, not recognizing that he was a famous evangelist. In those days, in this particular time, town, offenders were taken right to the court to plead, pay their fine, or have a court date set. Billy chose to take care of it immediately. He appeared before the judge. The judge asked him, how do you plead? Billy admitted, guilty. The judge hit the gavel and ordered 10 miles over the speed limit, $10 fine, $1 for every mile over. The judge was looking back over the ticket and saw the name that was written, William Franklin Graham. He looked closer and he asked, aren't you Billy Graham? Billy, who had already started to pull out his wallet to pay the fine, looked kind of sheeplessly at the judge and said, yes, I am, your honor. 
putting his wallet back into his pants. The judge said, I'm sorry, there are no exceptions to paying the fine for breaking the law. Billy got his wallet back out, and then to his surprise, the judge got up from his chair, walked over to the court clerk, took out his wallet, and paid the fine. The judge then dismissed the court, and he took Billy out for a steak dinner. <laughs> Billy Graham said, what an example of God's grace. Jesus took our penalty, and then he treats us to love beyond measure. Amazing grace. We understand that by God's grace and mercy that we are changed, <clears throat> that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. <clears throat> the sacrifice of God's only son reaffirms our adoption and sonship with the Father. We have been justified by grace. We have been made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Number three, we recognize that God has adopted us into the family by the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ. In Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the time had fully come, God had sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, whereby the spirit cries out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a child of God. And since you are a child, God has made you an heir. We are adopted by God. The Bible uses the imagery of an olive tree. Some facts about an olive tree is that they are extremely slow-growing. The olive tree requires years of patience labor to reach the full fruitfulness. The olive tree and the olive branches have been symbols of peace and reconciliation since the account of Noah's flood. The olive tree is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit as it is used as a carrier of mixture of spices that make up the holy anointing. The process to make olive oil is by beating and crushing the olive to produce the oil. Very symbolic that Jesus was beaten and crushed for our iniquities. In the book of Romans, Paul describes a cultivated olive tree to portray Israel and the wild olive tree to represent Gentile believers. The cultivated olive tree is loved and pruned and nurtured so that it bears much fruit. If the tree is fruitless, the branches are trimmed and discarded, but the root remains intact. God has preserved the holy root of Israel and pruned off the worthless branches. As Gentiles, we represented by the wild olive tree, having been grafted and cultivated into, into the cultivated olive tree. And the process of grafting is you take the tree and you cut it, and then you have the taproot that goes up from it, and that gets cut, and they get put together so that the nourishment 
of that taproot goes up and it becomes one plant. You see, wild olive trees are weak. Their branches, their roots are weak, and their branches are incapable of bearing fruit until they are grafted back into the healthy, life-sustaining root of the cultivated olive tree. We now share in Israel's blessing by the adoption through Jesus Christ. It's interesting that God uses a name for us to call him. Abba, Father. God's names are used countless times in the Bible. In Genesis 1, he goes by the name Elohim, which means the all-powerful one, creator. In Isaiah, he uses his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. In Exodus, he uses the name Yahweh and Jehovah, which means I am who I am, the self-existent one. In Genesis, he uses the name Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. In Exodus, he uses the name Jehovah-Rapha, meaning the Lord who heals. In Numbers and Judges, he uses the name Jehovah-Shalom, meaning the Lord is your peace. All these names attributed to who he is and his heart towards his people. While all these names are important in many ways, the name Abba Father is one of the most important significant names of God in understanding how it relates to people. You see, the word Abba is Aramaic for the word for the for the meat, which means father. It was a common term that expressed affection and confidence and trust. Abba signifies the close intimate relationship of a father and his child, as well as a childlike trust that a young child puts in his daddy. We are no longer orphans. Jesus said in John 14 that he will not leave us as orphans. We have a father in heaven who adopted us through Jesus Christ and who loves us and desires to know us in a personal way. In Psalm 103, it says, God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Today, God has made known his heart for us. God desires for us to know him as Abba, Father, to trust him fully, for our lives, to walk in his grace, and to be led of the Spirit so that we fully understand our position before God as adopted sons and daughters. In John 3, 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. I'm going to close with a story. In 1937, John Griffith found a job tending one of the, uh, a great railroad bridge on the Mississippi River. Day after day, John would sit in the control room and direct the enormous gears of this immense bridge over the mighty Mississippi River. He would look out as the bulky barges 
and splendid ships passed under his elevated bridge. John's young son, Greg, was now eight years old. And on this particular day, John brought his son to work. Greg looked on in wild eye excitement as his dad pressed these huge levers that raised and lowered this vast bridge. As he watched, he thought that his father was the greatest thing ever. Before they knew it, Newen had arrived, and John had just elevated the bridge to allow some of the ships to pass through. And then he took his son by his hand, and they headed off towards lunch. As they ate, John told his son in vivid detail marvelous destinations that the ship that passed under them were going. Enveloped in a world of thought, he related story after story. His son was hanging on every word. Then suddenly, in the midst of telling a tale about when the river had overflowed its banks, he and his son were startled back to reality by the shirking whistle of a distant train. Looking at his watch in disbelief, where had the time go? It is already 1.07. Immediately he remembered that the bridge was still raised and that the Memphis Express would be by in a few minutes. In the calmest tone he could muster, he instructed his son, stay put. Quickly he leaped to his feet. He jumped to the catwalk as the precious seconds flew by. He ran at full speed to the steer ladder, leading to the control room. Once he searched the river to make sure there was no ships, he then looked down straight below the bridge to make sure nothing was below. And as his eyes moved downward, he saw something so horrifying that his heart froze in his chest. For there below him in the massive gearbox that housed the colossal gears that moved the giant bridge was his son. Apparently, Greg tried to follow his dad and had fallen off the catwalk. Now he was wedged between the teeth of the two main cogs in the gearbox. Although he appeared to be conscious, John could see that the son's leg had already began to bleed. And even more horrifying the thought that flashed through his mind. Lowering the bridge would mean killing his son. Panicked, his mind probed in every direction, frantically searching for solutions. In his mind eye, he saw himself grabbing a rope, climbing down the ladder, running to across the catwalk, securing the rope, sliding down towards his son, pulling his son back in safety. Then in an instant, he would be back in the control room just in time for the oncoming train. As soon as these thoughts appeared, he realized the futility of his plan. Instantly he knew there wasn't going to be enough time. Frustration began to beat on John's brow, terror written on every inch of his face. His mind darted out there, vainly searching for yet another solution. His mind agonized, considered the 400 people 
that were moving closer and closer to the bridge. Soon the, the train would come roaring out of the trees with tremendous speed. But this was his son, his only son, his pride and joy. He knew in a moment there was only one thing to do and he would have to do it. And so burying his face under his arm, he plunged the lever down. The cries of his son were quickly drowned out by the relentless sound of the bridge as it slowly lowered in his position. With only seconds to spare, the Memphis Express, with its 400 passengers, roared out of the trees and across the mighty bridge. John Griffin lifted his tear-stained face and looked out at the windows of the passing train. A businessman was reading the morning newspaper. A uniformed conductor was glancing at his pocket watch. Ladies were already sipping their afternoon tea. And a small boy that looked strangely like his son was eating a dish of ice cream. Many of the passengers seemed to engage in idle conversation and careless laughter, unaware of the cost of his son. This is the manner of love. The Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God adopted by him. God so loves us that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus was sent to reconcile men to himself and reconcile men to the Father. God the Father wants a personal, intimate relationship where you come to him not in condemnation because that's been dealt with because of who Jesus is he wants you to come to him because he loves you and there's times we might feel unworthy there's times that we might feel dirty there's times we might feel ashamed God has made all things new. Will you allow him to write your story for your life? The word says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and he will give you rest. closing, these altars are open. If you want a touch from God, if you want to truly know him as Father, maybe you've known him as Lord, maybe you haven't known him at all, but he desires to have an intimate relationship so that you know him as Father. He paid the price. His spirit is given us onto us. His grace helps us. Everything in this world means nothing 
outside of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing outside of God. I'm going to close in prayer. And if people want to come up and be prayed for and have a touch from God. Abba, what's in the name? Everything. You have given us the name by which we should call you. Daddy. So that we don't need to run around like scared children. For we know the Father's heart is for us and not against us. We know that you have given us your spirit. The promise of your spirit. We know that your spirit leads and guides us in all truths. We know that you've given us grace upon grace upon grace. Father, you love us so much that you sent your only son down into the gearbox to be crushed for our iniquities so that we have right standing before you so that we can come to you as Abba and our spirit cries out, Father. Everything in this world means nothing outside of you. What profits a man to gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Father, you desire us. You desire us so much. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless us and fill us with your spirit, Father, as we set our eyes to you, knowing that you are the author and finisher of our faith. We love you, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.